Hey, I just want to say thank you for checking out this message today. I hope that it helps you, that it encourages you, and that you are able to learn a little bit more about who God is and why so many people throughout history have chosen to become followers of Jesus. If you enjoy this message and you want to hear more, you can find us on Facebook or YouTube, but ultimately you can find everything you need to know at clcwinnipeg.ca. There you can find more messages, you can find our social handles, ways to get connected to our church, and if you would like to give to this ministry, you can do that as well. And like I said before, I hope that you are encouraged by the message you're about to hear. God bless you. Well, I came across a passage this week from a biography of Billy Graham, the famous traveling evangelist from the 20th century. And this story came from 1946, when Billy Graham was 28 years old, and he was speaking in the country of Wales. And before he was about to speak, he heard another man leading a service and preaching a message on the Holy Spirit. Billy Graham approached this man at the end of the service and asked him why he had not given people listening an opportunity to come and receive the Holy Spirit because he would have been the first one out of his chair. This man's name was Stephen Olford and after that conversation, Billy Graham went back with Mr. Olford back to his house for the next two days to learn more about the Holy Spirit and to be filled himself. So he did this and the first night he prayed for the Holy Spirit and he went to go speak to a small congregation in Wales and he honestly, it wasn't his best message. In fact, Stephen Olford described it as ordinary. So he went back again for a second day. And after hours and hours of interceding, asking to be filled by the Holy Spirit, Billy Graham had a breakthrough mid-afternoon. And he was walking around the house yelling, I have it, I'm filled, I'm filled. And he was rejoicing in the fact that he had been filled by the Holy Spirit. And this is what was written about his sermon that night. Stephen Olford said that night Billy was to speak at a large Baptist church nearby. When he rose to preach, he was a man absolutely anointed. Billy's Welsh audience seemed to sense it. They came forward to pray even before the invitation was given. Later, when it was given, Olford said the Welsh, li the Welsh listeners jammed the aisles. There was chaos. Practically the entire audience came rushing forward. Stephen drove back to his parents' home that night deeply moved by Billy's new authority and strength. When I came in the door, he said later, my father looked at my face and asked, what on earth has happened? I sat down at the kitchen table and said, dad, something has happened to Billy Graham. The world is going to hear from this man. He is going to make his mark in history for the heavenly reservoir had overflowed. We're starting a series this week called The Holy Spirit Is, as we've worked through the entire Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And this is the last member of the Trinity for us to talk about. And it's also possibly the most misunderstood member of the Trinity. I know that hearing that we're doing a series on the Holy Spirit may bring up a few different reactions for people. Some of you may be excited. You love talking with the Holy Spirit. You have experienced the Holy Spirit 
and you were excited to talk about it. And that's one of the things in this church that may be more common than others. We are a Pentecostal church. It is one of our distinctives. It is one of the foundations of our denomination that we believe in and appreciate the gifts and the power of the Holy Spirit. But maybe you've actually had a different reaction. You heard that the Holy Spirit was the topic this week and you were kind of thinking like, maybe it's not too late for me to sneak out of here. Maybe I can kind of just avoid this one. Because the Holy Spirit is a complicated topic and some people have had negative experiences as it has been spoken about. And as people have ministered about the Holy Spirit, they have had negative experiences. Some of us may just be confused. I don't really understand it. I don't really know what the Holy Spirit is. Maybe you're actually fairly new to Christianity. This might be one of the first messages that you've heard. And you're thinking like, I don't know what this is. Like, is this like the Holy Ghost? Which, yes, it's just another name for the Holy Spirit. But you're just not sure what we're talking about. And you're interested in hearing more. Well, for all three of those, I can say, I feel like I kind of relate. I've been there in many ways. The Holy Spirit is a complicated topic and it is difficult to understand. And I have been excited about it. I have been confused by it. I've been frustrated. I've been... All of the reactions, I would say I've had them at some point. And the reality is it's, it's often misunderstood. And I think that the more confidently somebody tells you about how you can experience the Holy Spirit, I would argue that the more misguided that they are. Some of us have experienced people talking with the Holy Spirit and they have lacked grace in those conversations. So I hope that as we talk about it, that these messages can help you to understand better, can give you a desire and an understanding of why it is that we need the Holy Spirit as Christians and that maybe you can see that it's not something scary, not something that is to be avoided or kind of shoved under the rug, but that it's something that we can talk about and we can believe in and we can find hope in. So we are gonna be talking today in the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is really where the Holy Spirit makes its grand introduction. Jesus had promised that the Holy Spirit would come and in Acts it does. Jesus ascends into heaven and he leaves his disciples kind of confused, trying to figure out what is next for them. And so they go into this room and they just begin to pray and they begin to cry out for God, what is next for us? And as they're up there, the Holy Spirit rushes in. And it says that there was like these tongues of fire above their heads and they begin to speak different languages, languages that they had not previously known. By the power of God, they're able to do this. And people who are watching them in there think that like they're drunk or something and they have to be like, no, no, like this is just the power of God. And Jesus, follow, Jesus disciple Peter, the apostle Peter goes out and he preaches to them by the power of the Holy Spirit 
and 3,000 people are saved that day. 3,000 people say, this is something that I want. This is something I can believe in. And the church took that momentum of that day of 3,000 people being saved at once and they carried it for hundreds of years into what the church is today. And so here we are 15 chapters later, 14 14 chapters later, and we're with Paul and a couple of his companions as they're on Paul's second missionary journey. So he has Timothy, he has his friend Silas, and it appears that Luke, the author of Acts, is with him as well. So it says, Paul and his companions, picking up in Acts chapter 16, verse 6, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia. There's a lot of words in here that are testing me today, but we're going to get through them. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So there's quite a bit of geography in this. And I think that it actually helps us to understand this story if we have an understanding of where they were and where they were going. So they started in Phrygia and Galatia, which is on one side of Asia. That would be on the eastern side of the province of Asia, which is now where we would call modern day Turkey. So they're all the way on this eastern side of this region and they end up traveling northwest and then they travel all the way west, all the way to the coast actually. And I looked into this, that was about 400 miles or 644 kilometers. So we could drive that in a day, but they didn't have cars back then. They were probably on foot. And so if they had a reasonable walking pace, they may have been able to do that in about 125 or so hours. So if they walked about 16 hours a day, it would take about seven days for them to do this. So they were walking for a good week trying to figure out where God was leading them. And each time they arrive at a place, it seems that God closes the door. Whether there was something physical that happened or whether it was just a sense that this was not where they were supposed to be, each time they got to a town, the Holy Spirit seemed to close the door. And they end up all the way at the coast at this town called Troas, which is, it was a a hub for travel. It was right on the coast and there was a big harbor there and many ships went out. And I can just imagine Paul and his companions probably being so discouraged. And especially for someone like Paul who had such a strong desire to preach the gospel. I can imagine it was just eating at him as they passed town after town after town and felt that that was not where they were supposed to be. And probably walking up and down the shoreline in Troas trying to figure out of all the ships that were going to all different places in the ancient world, which one it was that they were supposed to get onto. And seeing people representing all kinds of different regions and cities and nations that had not yet heard the gospel. But they decide to go to sleep that night. And finally, Paul hears 
from the Holy Spirit. He has a vision that clearly says, go to Macedonia. So the next day they hop on a boat and they go there. Sometimes God speaks to us in different ways. Sometimes God speaks to us by actually closing doors, whether firmly or gently. I have experienced that and it's not super fun to experience a closed door. You get all your plans and you get all your hopes and you're excited for what's to come and then God says, nope, that's not what you're supposed to do. But what we can learn from that is that sometimes that's actually for our benefit. Sometimes when God closes doors, it is for our benefit and it it is because God knows something that we don't. And I've experienced times where it seemed that there was an opportunity that I was excited about that God actually said no to. And I've experienced where I looked back and I could see why he said no to something much, much later on. And I've also had times where somebody in my life was giving me counsel that they thought maybe the Holy Spirit was telling me not to do something. And I went and I did it anyway. And I actually saw the consequences and and what God was trying to keep me from. Sometimes we actually need to thank God for doors that he closed for us. We may need to give thanks to God for things that he has been protecting us from. But in this moment, God was faithful to lead Paul and Silas and Timothy and Luke. And even though they were at the end of the line, they were at the end of the road, they had walked for a week And I'm sure that they were praying all the way through, trying to figure out, God, where is it that you would have us? And he waits until they're at the very end. They're in Troas, they're at the coast, and they're trying to figure out what to do. And finally, God comes through and he says where they need to go. The Holy Spirit shows them their next step. So that's our first point today, is that the Holy Spirit guides. The Holy Spirit leads us. And that brings us to our second point. And we're, tra- we're going to try to get through this one fast. The Holy Spirit convicts. So picking up in verse 11, they hop on a boat from Troas. They go out to sea. They sail straight for Samothrace. And the next day they go to another town. From there they go to another town. And then they end up in Macedonia. On the Sabbath day, it says, We went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there. One of these women listening was a woman from the city of Theatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And She persuaded us. So they were in this town in Macedonia and it says, Lydia believed in God, but she didn't know Jesus yet. Jesus had not yet been proclaimed in that region. And so we don't know exactly what she believed in, 
Um, historically, we're pretty sure that there was a, a fairly small Jewish population there. So it's kind of unlikely that she was Jewish already, but at some level she believed in God. But then she hears Paul and his friends speaking and something in her clicks and she says, that is something I want for my life. And there's a moment of conviction where she hears the story of Jesus and something inside of her shifts and she begins to become a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit convicts. The book of Acts is filled with stories like this of people hearing the gospel one time and giving their life to Jesus and going on to do amazing things. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can actually testify how that happens. You can probably point to a moment and a day in your life where you heard about Jesus and maybe it wasn't the first time, maybe it was, but something in you clicked that day and you said, I want to become a follower of Jesus. I want to give my life to this man and to this cause. The Holy Spirit convicts us and there's moments in every believer's life where it just seems that you know that you know that what you've heard about Jesus Christ is true and you give your life to him. And to be honest, as people, we don't really do anything without conviction. There, there may be some things that we have habits around. We, we allow ourselves to have bad habits where we actually don't want to be doing something, but we've allowed ourselves to do it. But anything difficult in our life, from brushing our teeth every day, to eating well, to going to the gym, all of those things we do because we believe that it's good for us. And if you know anything about how gyms structure their memberships, you can tell how important conviction is because they often sell 10 times the membership of what they can actually hold in their facility because they know that 90% of those people who come in and buy that membership aren't gonna show up regularly, if ever. It's only when someone actually feels conviction about what they need to do that they begin to make a change in their life. That's the power of conviction. And you might have heard about the Bible before, you might have heard about Jesus, and you thought, I don't know, that seems interesting, but too hard, or too restrictive, or I don't want to be labeled as like a Christian, because I don't think they always get the best reputation. But in that moment when you first experience that peace that comes from the Holy Spirit and that conviction that comes from Him, it can feel like following Jesus is the only way that you want to live. The Holy Spirit convicts. And the last role of the Holy Spirit that we want to talk today, and we're going to spend probably the most time here, begins in Acts chapter 16, verse 16. And I'm going to summarize the beginning of this story. Basically, they're in this town and there's a place of prayer in that town. And they're on their way there when they're met by a female slave who had an evil spirit living within her that allowed her to tell the future. And there was men with money who had taken advantage of this young woman. And they were profiting off of her ability, off of this evil spirit that gave her 
this ability to tell the future. And she was behind them and she was just like harassing them and she was yelling as they walked. And finally, it says, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. And at that moment, the spirit left her. But then these owners realize what has happened and they have realized that this income source for them is now gone. And they actually drag Paul and his companions before the magistrates. And they get the crowd on their side and they say, these men are against us. And they have them stripped and beaten with rods and thrown in jail after a severe flogging. And the jailer is told to keep a special watch on these men. And so he puts them in the innermost cell and he puts their feet in stocks. But then it says about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the other prisoners were listening to him. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. There's honestly a lot that I could say from this story. A lot happens. But what I really want us to focus on is how the Spirit helped Paul and Silas. The Holy Spirit is a helper. And that's kind of how we're introduced to him by Jesus. In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus said, talking about when he's going to be gone, he said, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. An advocate comes from the word paraclete which is often attributed to the Holy Spirit, which means helper most usually, but in this case, they translate it advocate. Jesus was sending us the Spirit in order to help us to proclaim the gospel, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to guide us, to convict those that we spoke to. The Holy Spirit is coming as an advocate for followers of Jesus and has been doing that since Acts 2. And this was the same Spirit of God that Jesus had relied on as he went and embarked on three years of ministry that changed the world. The same source, the same Spirit that Jesus relied so heavily on is available to us today. And you can see that Paul and Silas, they don't really know what to do. They're stuck in jail. They're in the innermost part of the jail and they just begin to praise God. They begin to sing hymns and pray and the Holy Spirit helps them. He sees their need and a violent earthquake is caused 
causing their chains to break. And if you've ever wondered why the church values singing and worship, this is exactly why, because we believe that chains can be broken in the physical world by our praise and worship. Because we have an advocate who is working on our behalf. We have a helper who is working for us as followers of Jesus. I don't think it's a mistake that as they were just entering into praise that they saw their breakthrough come. And they have the wisdom when when the, the chains break and all of the prisoners are freed to cry out to the jailer before he ends his life because he knows that he's going to be in big trouble for all the prisoners escaping anyways. They cry out, don't harm yourself, we are all here. And they end up leading him to Jesus and his whole household. And this whole household is saved through the power of the Holy Spirit. And as we close, I actually just want to talk about this radio for a minute. Because I think that the Holy Spirit, we can learn a lot about it from this radio. And as I was thinking about radios this week, I think they're fascinating. We don't really use, a lot of us aren't using these anymore. I, I very rarely listen to the radio anymore. But... I'm familiar with them. And as I was thinking about it, it's amazing that all of the time there are radio waves that are traveling through the air that we just can pick up with this and listen to songs and conversations and stories. But there's a couple steps that we have to go through before we can do that. And the first would be that we have to plug this into a power source. This radio is not gonna work because it's not plugged in and I'm not close enough to a power source to plug it in, but we can't do anything without plugging into a power source with this or with the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a great example of doing that. Jesus was constantly plugged into the source of his power. Throughout the Gospels, we can see example after example of Jesus actually retreating early in the morning and going up to a hilltop and reconnecting with his Father. Reconnecting with God and with the Holy Spirit, empowering him for the ministry that was ahead of him for that day. And we can see how him connecting to that power source shaped his ministry. And we have to do the exact same thing. We have to get connected. And that starts with accepting Jesus. That starts with regularly praying to God, reading his word. And what we find over and over again, as we look at what Christians have accomplished is that great ministry is accomplished by those who know their source of power. We saw it in that story about Billy Graham. When he got connected to his power source, and when he had the Holy Spirit running through him and being filled by the Holy Spirit, that is when his ministry took off. So we connect to a source of power. Second, 
We need to use the dial. We need to get dialed in. If you just turn this on and turn it to, I don't know, 93.7, there may or may not be a signal that comes through. But there's all of these songs and conversations and stories that are happening in, in the radio waves and we need to get tuned in to the right one to hear what we need to hear. And it's just like the Holy Spirit that we need to get tuned in to the Holy Spirit. But the thing is that in taking that action, that you are actually allowing the Holy Spirit to be able to speak. Sometimes we think of faith as waiting and then going. We think I'm gonna pray and I'm just gonna see where God wants me to go. But sometimes we actually need to take a step first. And we see that so often in the Old Testament where people and prophets, sometimes God gives them a sign before they go, but oftentimes like we see in the story of Elijah where he challenges 500 prophets of Baal to a duel on a mountaintop. And he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he does it and God comes through. Noah builds an ark and he doesn't really know if a flood is going to come, but God ends up being faithful in that promise. Sometimes we need to take a step and we need to just get going. We need to start dialing in before we actually hear from God, before we get guidance of what that next step is. Paul did this too. They walked for seven or eight days. They took a week's worth of steps before they figured out where it was that God would have them go. And they just kept going forward. And eventually they received that guidance. So we plug into power. We begin to dial in to the Holy Spirit. And then we listen. And we wait. I remember hearing my dad talk about how he used to get his own music in like the 70s and the 80s. Before the day of the iPod or the iPhone or Spotify where everything could be at your fingertips. And he would talk about listening to his radio, sitting on, sitting around in front of it and waiting for the song that he wanted to be able to record to come on. And whenever that song, I don't know, the Eagles or the Doobie Brothers or whoever it was that he was listening to would come on, he would hit record so that he could save that message. But when you listen to the radio, there's no guarantee of when you're gonna hear what you wanna hear. And you may just have to be patient. I've had to experience that as well, where you pray and you ask God several times before he finally shows you where to go. And you just have to trust that God's timing is perfect. That God gives you exactly what you need when you need it. So sometimes when we're waiting on the Holy Spirit, we just have to do that. We have to wait. We have to listen and be patient. So let this radio be a reminder of how it is that we can experience the power of the Holy Spirit in our own lives. And if you have accepted Jesus, then you already have the power of the Holy Spirit living in you. And the church could use more believers who believe that.
who believe that they are filled with the Holy Spirit, that they have the Holy Spirit within them, and that He is there to help them, to advocate for them, to empower them. We need a church who is filled with people who are excited and enthusiastic about the power of the Holy Spirit and who are willing to take a step, who are willing to move the dial before they really know what it is that they are called to do. Who are willing to just be faithful and take a step. Because in every area of life, no matter where you are, I'm not just talking about pastors and preachers, I'm talking about every believer, no matter where it is that you are, there is a ministry that God has called you to and he is willing to help you and to empower you to be able to do that through his Holy Spirit. Are you willing to take that step? Are you willing to move the dial and to wait and to listen and to just begin walking in the direction that the Holy Spirit would have you go? And it might be a long path. It might be a short path. You might get there quickly. You might not get there for years. But I believe that each and every person who is listening to this has something that God wants you to do. And the Holy Spirit is going to be there to help you. He's going to be there to lead you. And when you're sharing the gospel with somebody, it doesn't have to be you who convinces them because the Holy Spirit will convict people. We have a helper. How blessed are we to have a helper? And I pray that you would find help in that today. Let's pray. God, we just thank you for who you are. We thank you, Jesus, that when you left, that you did not leave us high and dry, but that you sent a helper. You sent an advocate. You sent the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, I pray that as we go, that as we as we tune in to your spirit and we begin to walk in the direction of the spirit and as we begin to just learn to be patient and to not want to see everything done on our own time, but we are willing to allow you to move and to work and to lead and to guide, that we would experience great fruit from our ministry. That we would be able to minister to those around us effectively. And we believe that you have placed each and every one of us exactly where you want us to be. In your name we pray. Amen.